0: global business insights podcast from ps learning featuring your hosts dr charlotte de brabant and max kent bringing you the leading global experts and thought leaders from all industry sectors to give you cutting edge key insights into the future of business technology and thought leadership.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining our Global Business Insight podcast. And I'm so thrilled to be joined today, not only by my partner in crime, Max Kent, but also by a special guest from the UK, Susan Welsh. And Susan has been a dear, dear friend specializing on the future of data classification. And uh, Susan, I will not take too much of your introduction, maybe go ahead and quickly introduce yourself to our listeners and our great audience today.
2: Oh Well, thank you, Charlotte. Thanks, Max, for having me on. I'm really excited to be here and talk about my favorite subject, classification. Um, I am the self-proclaimed classification guru, fixer of dirty data, and I've had my business for six years, but I have been cleaning and classifying spends data for about 11 years now. So a long time in the industry. And what my business does is we will work with our clients to normalise their suppliers, classify their spend data and give them visibility on what's actually going on in in the business and in their spend data, which uh, surprisingly is always a bit of a shock, especially we didn't know we were spending X amount on this. And Thanks, yeah, passion- Yeah, just passionate about talking about the importance of data quality as well and spreading the word.
0: Thanks, Susan. Fantastic to have you on the podcast, by the way. Um, really excited to have you on this one. Um, it's a key subject in all of the different procurement areas is data. And we know how important it is to have the right data. So to you, what would you say is data classification? And how useful do you feel it is in the field of data analysis?
2: Okay, so let's talk about spend data classification, which is what I specialise in. Because there is act since I set my business up, I found out there's another kind of data classification, which is security of folders and like hierarchies and things like that, and the, like the security whether it's like for everybody or certain eyes only. So this is spend data. And what this does is we classify using a taxonomy, which would have anything from one to five levels. Level one might be, say, IT. Level two could be hardware. And then level three could be laptops. And depending on the level of detail in the data, we'll go through and classify all that data. And that basically means that people can go and say okay how much did we spend on it last year or how many laptops did we buy or how many suppliers do we have in it things that can be really actually very hard to track without doing the classification thank you
1: susan for sharing and just a a follow-up question because i mean you you, you implement your solution for a variety of different industries and companies and how do you actually determine which classification algorithm
2: to use for a particular data set? I say algorithm algorithm. we don't use algorithms. We are a team of people who have been classifying data for over 40 years combined and We have experience of working with procurement data, so we know the context of when something should be classified as X or Y. And DHL is always a really good example for a small business like myself. I'd be using them as a courier service, but for a large manufacturer, for example, they're probably doing warehousing, logistics, two very different classifications if you're trying to track spend, and you know. Unless you have some knowledge in that area, it's very hard to to automate that unless you have a very good learning data set to start with, which, funnily enough, has to be done by people. So we are the very first step in the process.
0: Makes absolute sense to me. And it again goes back to everyone's trying to automate everything now. But there are certain things that you need, skill sets of... Human beings who are knowledgeable and have done this, like you say, for a combined total of 40 years plus to really know how to do this. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to get past that. Do you?
2: No, there is always going to be a need for for humans. Um, so, like I say, with AI, you need training data sets. So you need to make sure they are accurate before they go to the AI and the machine learning. The only way you're going to be able to verify that is with people. Sorting. and people who have experience in that area as well not just you know any old person off the street
0: for sure um and do you, what's your experience of using um supervised and unsupervised classifications is that something you're you're aware of using in different settings
2: um i'm aware of it again it, it's for us it's different because we are are annually uh, manually Eyeballing and and going through the data line by line. Um, I think the classification I think in certain industries works very well, and um, automated. So in manufacturing, when you have lots of MRO parts, maintenance, repair, ops, you're talking about nuts, bolts, screws, hammers. Uh, that's fairly standard to automate. So that would work, and so. Uh, that the rest can be very contextual, and that's when it gets tricky. Whether it's unsupervised or supervised. Um. So th- I can't really say much more than that, to be honest.
1: No, I completely resonate with your answer because I spent half of my career in MRO. I uh, yeah. Ironically, I do love the space, <laughs> MRO, and we. when I worked back at Johnson & Johnson, we were implementing also a service provider to look after our MRO spare yeah, parts. Yeah, we, but we that's love where,
2: classifying it. It's and that's
1: where the cloud classification <laughs> comes in, and yeah. we saw that somehow the same products at the same filters or screws had somehow the, more or less the, the same meaning or wording, but it yeah. definitely needed you back in the days. Yeah. <laughs> and um maybe you can just elaborate a little bit more. How do you handle um imbalanced data sets? Like what's your approach when you, we can talk about MRO for example, you get a data yeah. set of, of 5,000 different variables and then you try to find out, okay, which ones uh, are maybe even doubles, right?
2: Yeah, we, so we can pull together multiple file sources, and that's where your imbalanced data sets tend to happen because you might have more detail in one set data set than the other. Um, and that's why why again it's good as humans. We we look at the data or the supplier in as a whole. So that one supplier might have, say, a hundred rows, and 90 of those are have a, an invoice description, and 10 of them don't. And then from that we can determine what the classification should be. Now if the 90 rows were all screws it's, it's safe to say those other 10 rows will probably be screws as well. If there's a mixture of nuts bolts and screws we would just classify it to a hardware level so slightly less detailed and so that's how we would get around the problem of imbalance but we would never just automatically just shove a classification in there. I would always use context to decide the best option.
0: Okay, so how would you evaluate performance of that classification model? So is there any sort of metrics that are used to see how well that's doing once it's classified?
2: I've seen this with other suppliers, so they have like a confidence score um personally i've seen 99% confidence with a very incorrect classification and so i think you have to be really careful on on relying on that confidence too much again that's when you need to bring in people to sense check quality check make sure that that it's it's all right um you might find patterns in the problems with the classification. So for example, I checked a, a client's data once, and there was things all coming up, up under either facilities or construction that were not, so like hotels or um, different things. And And the thing that I found was each of them in their invoice description had the description CAPEX, So somebody had written either a rule or an algorithm had decided that every time the description CAPEX came up, it must be construction, which is not always the case. And so that can cause problems. So again, it's all about checking, checking and and revising and tweaking and and always trying to continually improve the model.
1: Excellent. And just following on from from checking, maybe preventing errors, looking at the model. Well, you know, uh, yeah, that helps. Uh, uh, in your in your opinion, what what is um, the 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 uh, the terminology overfitting in classification and, and how, how do you avoid it? So looking at for.
2: Modeling of errors. I see this as kind of laziness. It's okay. So um a lot of assumptions will be made like okay, DHL, oh let's just shove it all under couriers. So we're overfitting there because well that's that's my interpretation of it. Uh it must be we all know DHL is a courier, but actually some people want to track different metrics from DHL. So that's just like let's shoehorn that in because it fits. Or sometimes it could be that the taxonomy isn't detailed enough. And so there isn't the right classification for an item, and so somebody puts it under the nearest thing that fits. So that's that I've seen that a lot as well. So it might be um, I'm trying to think of a really good example here. Um, so let's say we we have some nuts and bolts. Let's go back to MRO. But the only option is maintenance parts or something. It doesn't tell you what kind of hardware it is. It doesn't tell you it's a nut or a bolt. So that's the closest thing we've got. So we'll put it in there. It and the way tons. to avoid that, I guess, is is to train your team to be thorough and to be accurate and to have... Experts in that specific area looking at the data to make sure that doesn't happen. And not mm. not just accepting, OK, it's got to be better than OK.
0: It makes absolute sense to me that it's um, all got to come from the same source. Now, my background, um, as you know, is in software, AP automation and mm-hmm. really looking at the source of where that data comes from. So what I've found is that... Um, real uh, t- training on purchase order input as a starting point of where the data comes in and how that then yeah. matches to the invoice is the start of either good data or a problem. Yeah. Um, and what I've found in this is that if that match isn't right, that those systems, while it's taking in, could be 100 to 1,000 invoices for one particular supplier in a year, it might miss one, it might reject yeah. one. How do you find that that's that's happened in um, in you know missing missing pieces of data? How do you know that something's um, not being cla- well? It's not going to get classified because it's just not going to be in there. How would you know?
2: So I guess the way that we, you could cross-reference your your invoice with your PO data if there's a reference. To the PO in the invoice, and that's a way, and if it doesn't match up, then then you might you might find a missing invoice. If you know, if you are closely monitoring spend with your supplier, and you're like, we know it's a PO for 50k, and we've only like we've we used it up, but there's only invoices for 40k here. I I think it's hard to build specific rules I think you could put some some checks in place like after six months has the full PO amount been invoiced or not but as we know that can change and it can vary so that's not always a great even a great barometer of what's going on it's again it's down to people in your team to really keep an eye out for that and and also I mean from a, a supplier side like if you're not getting paid, you're chasing that up quickly. So that's the other that's the other thing.
1: Thank you, Susan. And and how do you then ensure the quality of your data classification? Like what pre processing steps do you take?
2: Well, let me tell you. I, I created the data quote, and that was to help keep standardization and consistency and classification because we have multiple people working on the same data set. So that can open up uh, lots of different things. And firstly, your data's got to be consistent. So that's the same date format, the same terminology, the same processes. Make sure everyone's doing it the same way. Have a, a list of items that have to be classified a certain way so the team know to do that. Put it into your rules. Then it's got to be organized, so it by region, country, et cetera. Then it's got to be accurate, of course, and then once you have your consistent, your organised and your accurate data, guess what? You have trustworthy data. So that means you can do all those lovely cost savings and analytics and uh, reviews and supplier negotiations that you need to do.
0: Okay. Um, again, brilliant steps to go through, and I think every business should follow that process. Whether they do or not is another question, I'm sure. How do you deal with the categorical data in a classification problem? So you may well come across things that have already been classified or they've already got their own taxonomy and they think they've done it right. How do you unpick all of that?
2: Honestly, we start from scratch. We disregard what's been done and we do it our way to our standards, our processes, our taxonomy, if, if that's the case. Um, it's it takes much longer to unpick the mess otherwise.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing, <laughs> Susan, for all of your insights, especially really digging deep into data classification and for your time today. It was really great to have you on our podcast and especially for our listeners for joining in once again. Thank you for being here and I look forward to having you join back next time
0: podcast from ps learning featuring your hosts dr charlotte de brabant and max kent